You know, we live in an over-sexualized culture, don't we? And, and the topic of sex, sex is everywhere. But it can be confusing because we get mixed signals at times. And, uh, you know, I, thought, I can't imagine being a young person trying to grow up today and, and figure this all out. You know, one of the topics that's been um, pretty common in our media over the last several months is the topic of sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, sexual abuse. It's touched the sports world. It's touched Hollywood. It's even touched the church. And I would hope that we would all agree that sexual misconduct, harassment, abuse in, in any form is unacceptable. And yet, you can listen to the words of some of our current songs, and it leaves you saying, what is acceptable and what is appropriate? For example, the top-selling song of last year, 2017, was Shape of You. Just a few of the words of that song say, I'm in love with the shape of you. We push and pull like a magnet do. Although my heart is failing too, I'm in love with your body. Kind of awkward to hear in church, isn't it? And, you know, Bruno Mars had a song last year that was also one of the Billboard's top hits called Versace on the Floor. Here are a few of the words to it. Oh, I love that dress, but you won't need it anymore. No, you won't need it no more. Let's just kiss till we're naked, baby. Versace on the floor. Oh, take it off for me now, girl. I don't even know what Versace means, but... The rest of the words are pretty clear, you know? <laughs> At least they were to me. But, you know, the world of professional sports, you can go to about any professional sports event today, and dancers are dancing very provocatively. Pornography is more accessible than it's ever been. And it's just really confusing, isn't it? I mean, what is acceptable? What is not acceptable? What is right? What is wrong? And... I am not here to go on a rant about the evils of our society today, but I am here to very emphatically say that God is the one who created sex. God created it to be a good thing. God gave it to us as a gift. So that's why this series, over the next few weeks, the month of June, we're going to be talking about the topic of sex, what God has to say about sex. We desperately need to hear what God has to say about it. Now, sex will be an interesting topic in church, won't it? I mean, that's going to be a little awkward for some of us, maybe. And part of that's because of the different perceptions we all carry on this topic. Some of you, because of some baggage you carry from the past, feel uncomfortable with this topic. Maybe some of you are a little bit embarrassed or awkward about this topic. Parents, you may be thinking, ooh, this is going to be awkward with my kids sitting here. Or maybe you're saying, good that my kids are sitting here to hear this, you know. Maybe some of you are surprised that we're talking about this topic in church. Well, perhaps some of you, when you've heard this topic in church, all you've heard about is that you've heard it condemned. Or maybe some of you are going, finally, one of Jerry's sermons that will actually keep me awake due to the topic. <laughs> you know, something like that. But regardless of what your reaction is to this topic, um, we need to talk about it. We need to hear what God has to say about it. So we're going to lay a foundation for this series this morning and talk about five things that the Bible tells us that God has to say about sex. Now, I know this can be a sensitive topic, 
And I know that what we're going to say this morning and even in the weeks to come may stretch you a little bit. I'm hoping that it stretches you in a good way, though. I can assure you, God never intended the topic of sex to be taboo. The Bible speaks very openly about it. It speaks very positively about it. So we're going to begin this morning with how this whole idea of sex got started. It started with God. And I'm going to take you back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, and read you some verses, and then we'll talk about them and what they tell us about sex. So this is Genesis 2, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who's just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the sky and the wild animals, but there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's rib and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There are five things from what we just read that we learn about sex, that we need to know about sex. So let's jump in. Here's the first one. Sex was God's idea. God saw that Adam was alone, and this wasn't working out. You know, God had finished creating everything. He did that in six days. The Bible said that he saw that it was good. He saw the sun. He saw the moon. He saw the stars. He saw the animals. He saw the plants. He saw the fish. Everything. And he said, hey, this is good. But then he saw Adam alone. And he said, this isn't good. This isn't a good thing. It's like you read, there's a contrast. And, and don't you think Adam noticed that? I mean, he saw the animals, and when he did, he saw them male and female. And he may have been thinking, hey, what's up with this, you know? So God says, hey, Adam, I'll make a companion for you. Now, can't you imagine Adam going around the garden after God says that thing, what, what's a companion? You know, what, what is that? Is it a five iron, you know? Is it a Harley? What, what, just what's a companion? So God made Adam's companion different from him. Very different. Quite different. The starting point, the foundation for this entire series is that sex was God's idea. Don't forget that. Whatever baggage you carry, on this subject. It's time for us to break that down. It's okay to talk about this topic. The Bible does. It's okay to enjoy it. The Bible says so. Now, the Bible gives some guidelines. We'll come to those in just a few minutes. Anything of value does have boundaries to it. Okay, here's the second thing we learn from what we've read. Human sexuality is unique. We read that in verse 20, let me remind you what it said, there was no helper just right for him. We're not animals. People are the only thing created in God's image. You know, in Genesis 1.27, we read the words that say, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. 
So our sexuality is more complex and multifaceted than just the urge of some animal to mate. There was nothing in the animal kingdom that could satisfy Adam's deepest longing for intimacy, both physically and emotionally. Adam knew it. God knew it. You know, people try to live as if sex is nothing more than a physical act. But they find out that it really doesn't work that way. We are complex human beings. Something different, something unique was required to complete Adam. And Adam was just about to find out what God had in mind. And when Adam saw what God had in mind, he saw that naked lady standing in front of him. I think his reaction was like, wow, this is more like it, God. Okay, third... Creating us as male and female was God's idea. As you read this, meaning what we read there from Genesis chapter 2, it becomes clear that God intentionally created humans, and he did so male and female. In other words, he created us sexual beings. By the way, Jesus reiterated this very thing when he was on earth. In Matthew 19, verses 4 to 6, we read these words. Haven't you heard the scriptures? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. We as a church are committed to following God's will for us from what we read in the Bible. We believe the Bible is God's message to us. It's our guidebook for life. And that includes every area of our life, including our sexuality. Now, we know the, what the Bible says, and while what the Bible says doesn't always align with where our culture is, we want to remain true to the Bible. This means that we hold to the truth that God communicates to us in the Bible. But we do that with a grace-filled and loving approach, which was Jesus' approach when he was on earth. So we believe that the Bible teaches that God wants us to express our sexuality in marriage with someone of the opposite sex. As you read the account in Genesis, you see that God created male and female. They were the crowning work of his creation. And God established marriage between one man and one woman. Now, I know this is a controversial topic today. And that what the Bible teaches doesn't necessarily align with where we are in our society today. But, as a church, we want to strive to bring every area in our lives in alignment with what the Bible says. In other words, we don't pick and choose based on what our culture says or what our comfort level is. So, for example, if the Bible says we need to forgive someone who has wronged us, we believe we should work towards forgiveness, even though that's difficult to do. So, the same approach then would apply to our sexuality. God wants us to wait until we're married and then express only our sexuality in marriage. We believe that because of the Bible, and we also believe that because the Bible teaches that lust is wrong that we should not view pornography. We believe that the Bible tells us to express our sexuality with someone of the opposite sex in a married relationship. Now, this doesn't mean that if you're at a different place or if you're not at the same place that we are, that we no longer want you to attend. 
We want you here. Our prayer would be that you would learn what God is like and that he has your best interests at heart. And even if we don't agree on this topic, that should never affect how we treat each other. We want you to know that anyone is welcome to attend this church. We want everyone who attends here to feel love. Churches in general haven't always done a good job with that. And if you've been on the receiving end of that, or if you've been hurt by that, I'm sorry, I hope you'll find it different here. We are a church of imperfect people. We all have areas of our lives that we need to work on. So we look to the cross where we find love and forgiveness for all of our flaws, our imperfections, our sins. As a church, we simply want to be a conduit for others to experience that same love and forgiveness from Jesus. But Jesus, because he loves us and wants what's best for us, tells us that to experience the life he wants us to experience, that our lives must align with his teachings. So, for example, in John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. That calls for all of us to do some introspection and ask ourselves, what area or areas of my life do I need to address so that my life is pleasing to my Savior who loves me, who forgave me, who died for me? Now back to Genesis chapter 2. The fourth thing we learn about sex is this. Sex was designed with boundaries. Verse 24 gave us some boundaries. Um, to refresh your memory again, here's what it said. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and has joined his wife, and the two are united into one. God's plan was for one woman and one man to get married and stay married for life. That's still his plan today. We'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. But in other words, sex was designed for marriage. Why? Well, God created sex. God loves us. He wants what's best for us. The truth is, we're all broken because of the effects of sin. And our designer put parameters in place in our lives, not to restrict us, not to frustrate us, but to lead us out of brokenness. So when God says, wait until you're married to express your sexuality and only do so in a marriage relationship, he says that because he knows what is best for us. And really, there's a core or foundational question that's behind all this, and it's this. Can I trust God with my life? Can I trust that God knows what's best for my life? so foundational to the decisions we make in our lives, in any area of our life, is the issue of trust. Can I believe that God knows what's best for me? Am I willing to follow his plan, even if my desires say something else? When we don't trust his plan, at the root of that is us trying to be the God of our own life. We think our way is better. So at the core of our decision is really an issue of trust. Can I trust God with my life? Now, I've said this many, many times. And I've talked to a number of people who have regrets about decisions 
they've made regarding their sexuality. I haven't talked to anybody who's followed God's plan and design who had regrets. In other words, waiting till you're married and then expressing your sexuality only in that marriage. Finally, one more principle from Genesis 2 about our sexuality. It's this. Sex is designed to bring married couples closer together. Now, this is where you see the benefits of God's design. Remember, sex was God's idea. It's a good thing. He gave it to us as a gift. The purpose of sex in marriage, as God designed it, is first to have babies. That's the obvious one, right? That commandment, be fruitful and multiply. And we've done a pretty good job with that one, haven't we? The second one, the second purpose is to have fun. God wants us to be able to enjoy sex and marriage. He created it to be pleasurable. And third, it's to draw couples closer together as an expression of love. Genesis 2.25 that we read says this, Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Notice, the two of them were naked. They were not ashamed of that. God's intent for Adam and Eve was a free, shameless, beautiful sexual relationship. And I believe that's the ultimate picture of intimacy. When we read in Genesis 2.24 that they were united into one, literally, that phrase means one flesh. Several of the English translations just translated one flesh. They became one flesh. Verse 25 explains in more detail what that relationship one flesh is. But one flesh refers to sexual intercourse. It also pictures God's intent for us in marriage, complete intimacy or closeness. And what you find is that the more intimate you are with a person in a marriage relationship, it actually enhances the sexual experience. Now, this intimacy begins with a commitment, a commitment to marriage. That's the foundation for intimacy. I'll be faithful to you till death do us part. That actually leads to intimacy, which then enhances our sexual experience. That's the way God designed it. The boundaries are there not to restrict you, but to enhance and to bring enjoyment. So it's not surprising at all that several years ago, the University of Chicago did a study and found out that married couples were more fulfilled sexually than those who lived together. Think about this practically. Any sport or game has rules, right? Why? To keep you from having fun? No. Quite the opposite, to enhance your enjoyment. Can you imagine playing a game of Monopoly where anyone can take money from the bank anytime they want? You say, I've played with a guy like that before. <laughs> or can you imagine playing basketball where there no fouls are called? You're thinking, yeah, I've been in a couple games like that too. But over the next four weeks, we're going to look into detail about what God says about sex. Now, to wrap things up this morning, I want to read you a verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the Bible. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. This verse is so appropriate for followers of Jesus as we live in a sex-crazed culture. We have to begin to think differently about the topic, the subject of sex. We receive so many mixed signals in our culture. And some of you, even going back to childhood, were abused. 
And that's a horrible, horrible thing. And maybe as a result, that has colored your view of sex your entire life. Some of you were raised in a way where sex was presented as something dirty, distasteful, shameful, so you're uncomfortable with the topic. God didn't create it that way, nor does he intended it to be viewed that way. Some of you have been bombarded with the messages of our world about sex, and so your view is very much out of perspective. Some of you are living in a way that God never intended right now. And if so, I would plead with you to do life God's way. Trust Him, knowing that He loves you and wants what's best for you. So we must begin to think differently, as Romans 12.2 says. Romans 12.2 applies to our sexuality as well. So how do we do that? How do we change the way we think on this topic? Let me give you three practical ways. Here's the first one to change the way you think. First, study. Get out a Bible and study every passage you can on the subject of sex. See what God has to say about that. I mean, when was the last time someone told you to study up on the topic of sex, right? Don't let the cultural thinking mold or shape your thinking or your actions. Now, in your message notes today, I've listed a number of Bible references that you can look up and read about this topic and see what the Bible says. In addition to that, there's some great resources out there. If you go to Right Now Media, it'll give you a biblical perspective on this topic. You can actually type the word sex in the search box and be safe doing that at Right Now Media. If you don't have an account, you can get one. We offer as a church to you free, just go to our website, which is theridge.org, click on the menu button, go down to media, and there you'll see how to sign up and establish an account for Right Now Media. And we provide this resource to you as a church, free of charge. There's some great resources there. The first study. Second, ask. Begin asking yourself some difficult questions. What is my attitude towards sexuality? Is it healthy? If not, why not? Do I need to change my thinking in this area? Do I see my sexuality as part of my relationship with God? Do I have hang-ups on this topic? If so, why? What changes do I need to make? What changes do I need to make in my relationships? Do, do I need accountability? Do I need the support of others? Do I feel loved by God? Can I trust God with my life? Since he is God, and he loves me unconditionally, am I willing to surrender my life and my lifestyle to him, knowing that he wants what's best for me? Those are some penetrating questions to ask. And then third step is discuss. You may need to find a wise Christian friend or counselor and discuss this topic. You may even want to talk to a good Christian counselor. And so we can offer you some suggestions. Perhaps what you need is the support and help of others. And that's what we're here to do as a church. Call the church office. Email us at info at theriz.org. We can tell you more about how you can talk with someone about it. Maybe what you need to hear today is God's grace. That God can give you a fresh start. Some of you are carrying some pretty heavy burdens. 
Some of you have some scars, some pains, some regrets. Honestly, some of you feel imprisoned to your past. But this is where we find hope. It's in the core message of the Bible, what we call the gospel. You know, thanks be to Jesus. Jesus died on a cross to take all of our past, all of our regrets, all our sins on himself. And at the cross you find forgiveness, unconditional love, cleansing, and wholeness. We want to be a church where sexuality is a beautiful thing, the way God intended it. So let's think biblically on the subject over the next few weeks.